Um, Frank Drown is a hero of mine, and um, I also worked at the ends of the earth. I also worked in the middle of the Amazon jungle and had the privilege of uh, working with primitive people. Um, so I'm going to tell you a story, just like Frank would tell you a story. We're probably, I don't know how many hundreds of miles from the nearest civilization, nearest autom automotive uh, road, nearest road, nearest car. And uh, we're in the middle of the Amazon jungle. We're standing by a, a river, my wife and I. And there was this rock down by the river, and they call it the four-footer. It was in a place called Tamatama. I was with another missionary couple. My wife and I would go down there for um, lunchtime, get cooled off in the river. It was very hot. And we'd go down and bathe in the, in the water and talk with um, another missionary couple, and we just had good friendship, good fellowship with this couple. My wife was um, getting dressed. I walked down to the four-footer, and I was down there with Rich and uh, Ray, Bruce, and they had their little, two little girls with them. One has Down syndrome, a little baby they were holding. And um, this little baby had lots of needs because she had Down syndrome, but there were still missionaries on the foreign mission field in the middle of the Amazon jungle working with a group of people who were called the Fierce People, the Anamamo. And they worked with probably one of the most difficult people in the world. But having a little girl with Down syndrome didn't stop them because they serve a great God. I'm sitting there on the rock. Ray has the baby, and her little sister gave her a mango, or a mango. And the little girl bit into it and started choking. Ray looked at the baby and realized the baby started choking. I'm sitting on the rock, and I watched the baby just turn gray. It was an incredible sight right in front of my eyes. It happened so fast. And she started to panic, and she said, the baby's choking Rich. And she turns around to Rich to hand the baby to Rich, and Rich grabs Susie, and he doesn't know what to do. And now she's turning this horrible gray-green color. And this was all in a matter of seconds. And he's holding the baby, and in exact that moment, in that exact second, come walking down the bank, a group of six doctors. We're in the middle of the Amazon jungle. And a young doctor went right to Rich, and he said in perfect English, not that he needed to speak in English, because we all speak Spanish. He said in perfect English, is the baby choking? And Rich handed him the baby. He turned her around and went, boom, under the rib cage. The piece flew out. The baby started crying. I started crying. Rich and Ray started crying. And he handed the baby back to Ray. And Ray's hugging little Susie. And I'm just sitting there. God. What are the chances of having a doctor there in the middle of the jungle to save this little girl with Down syndrome's life? What are the chances of that? We serve an unbelievable God. And people say, oh, I could never be a missionary. You do not know what you're missing. 
the blessings that God wants to just pour down upon you. I promise you I will open up the windows of heaven and I will pour out a blessing on you and you will not be able to contain it if you just take that step of faith. Because it says in, the, in Hebrews 11, he says, apart from faith, you cannot please God. And so it takes those steps of faith, those little baby steps of faith, you know. Okay, Lord, you know, people say, oh, Walter, you're a great missionary. Oh, you've been in the ends of the earth. And, and oh, yeah, you're, you know, you sit up here, Walt. You know, we're all going to sit down here. You know, there's no truth in that. I'm nothing special. I'm no different than anyone else. And in fear and trembling, I take those little tiny steps and say, okay, Lord, here am I, Lord. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And the Lord says, okay, don't worry about it. I'll speak through you. I'm just looking for a vessel. That's all I care about. I do the work. It's not about you anyway, Walter. It's about me. That's what God is looking for. That's what Frank has been begging for the last couple days. People that will just trust God and watch him work. Watch him do the things through our lives. All you have to do is stop and say, Lord, here am I. Use me. That's it. And he will do the rest. You know, I became a brand new baby Christian. I, I pulled my car over the side of the road. I prayed. I said, God, if you're real, I want you to come into my life. I said, there's two things I don't want to do. One is I don't want to give up my current lifestyle with sex, drugs, and rock and roll. So as long as we get that straight, we got that. Okay. okay. That's one thing I don't want to do. I really enjoy it, Lord. I'm having a good time. So I'm just telling you. Second thing, Lord, is I don't want to preach the gospel. And I can imagine God sitting up there. <laughs> I got... I got plans for you. Within two weeks of that day, I couldn't keep my mouth shut. Everybody I came in contact with, oh, this is guy Jesus. Oh, it's unbelievable. My life has changed. I have no more desire for the, the old life. God has changed my life. And I just wanted to tell everybody. It was, I, I went from darkness to light. And, and how, I couldn't help but telling people about this God, this great God who was doing, wanted to do great things in my life and, and was willing to do those things. You know, when I met my wife, Jane, I, I told everybody about her. I didn't have any fear. Oh, oh, there's this girl I met. She's really cool. Oh, she's beautiful, you know. I never had a problem talking about her because I was in love. And as I fell in love with the Lord... I didn't have a problem talking about him either. But I didn't know what to do. I would start talking to people about God, and I'd say, okay, um, uh, go to church. That was my whole gospel message. Go to church, because maybe something will happen there. I didn't know how to disciple them. I could share with what I, I knew, but I didn't know how to disciple them. Which brings us to our passage tonight. We're going to go to um, Luke chapter 24. As you know, my wife, um, Jane, some of you know her. She's a Spanish teacher in uh, Massachusetts. She teaches at a local high school. Uh, she wishes she could be here this week, but because of schooling, she can't. But the Lord willing, she'll be out in February, and you can get a chance to meet her. 
um, introduce my family a little bit. I'll talk more about my ministry and my family tomorrow night, but I have a son, Micah, who is uh, a corpsman with the uh, Marines in um, Okinawa right now, Japan. He married. I have a son, Caleb, who's married and living in Florida with my first grandson. I have a son, Jacob and Simon, and they are both living with me in Massachusetts. That's my family. And tomorrow night I'm going to show a picture, and I have a, a picture of um, an extremely large snake that I'm going to show tomorrow night. So um, if you like snakes, come on back, and you'll, and you'll see that picture. And it has a pig in its stomach, a wild pig, so that just adds to it. And I'll talk more about the ministry. I'll skip over that tonight. Luke 24. I'd like to read a couple verses, um, 13 to 18. I'm reading out of the NASB. And this is a story about uh, a couple men walking along a path, leaving the city of Jerusalem, walking down a hill uh, towards Emmaus. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing them. And he said to them, what are these words that you're exchanging with one another as you're walking? I love Jesus. I love his questions. He always asks questions. Questions are a tremendous way to witness. They are one of the best witnessing tools out there, asking questions. Because you don't need to know the answers. You just ask questions. What are you guys talking about? Now, Jesus Christ, this person that they were talking about, had just been crucified in the city of Jerusalem. There were, he was seen, recorded in his documented historical book, he was seen by over 500 people alive after his death on the cross. These two men were walking home and they were confused. They were hurting. They didn't know what to say. They didn't know what to do. This man, they had put their hope in him they heard great things about him, and he died. There's two things I want to, to share with you. One, what is God going to reveal to us in this passage about himself? Because in every passage scripture, in every passage scripture, there's something about him, about God. The reason why we have this is to know him. It's not, you know, only that we would learn about things about ourselves and to help us as a help book. It's that, it's that too. But the reason why God gave us this book is so that we can know him. And as we eat from it, as we take from this, we will grow closer to him. And as we grow closer to him, we fall in love with him. And then God can pour out his blessings upon your life. So what is this passage talking about? What can we learn from this? You might say, oh, this is a nice passage. Oh, that's great. Two men walking down a dusty road seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus. So what? How does that affect my life today? I have a mortgage payment. I have kids in college. I have, uh, you know, difficulties in my marriage. Who cares about two guys walking down a dusty road in the, in the middle of Israel? 
They didn't recognize him. They were discussing with one another. And Jesus walked up alongside of them. Now, it wasn't uncommon for people to walk together in those times. It's still not uncommon in foreign countries to walk together because there's security in groups. And in Venezuela, um, when you are traveling long uh, distances across the country, sometimes you travel in caravans with other cars because there was security in these caravans. Because you get stopped at a government um, uh, checkpoint or you get stopped along the road, there's a less apt of a chance of you being robbed or kidnapped or whatever if you were in a group of people rather than one. So this is not uncommon. Jesus walked up alongside him and he asked a question. What are you guys talking about? And my mom was a queen of questions. Where are you? How long have you been there? Who were you with? Are you hungry? Uh, most of you ladies, most of you guys can, can uh, feel for that one. People will not be interested in you or your God if you're not genuinely interested in them. I was, um, but Jesus had a plan here. He was trying to bridge a conversation. He was going to start a conversation with these guys. Recently, I was at Best Buy back in Massachusetts, and I walked in. I, I wanted to buy a, um, a cooler fan for my laptop computer. And as I walked in, there was this guy standing in, in front of the TV screens. And there's 50 TVs there. He's standing there looking at him. And so I go and get the computer fan. Ten minutes later, I come back. He's So I walked up next to him. I went, and I said, hey, what's the best TV? And he looks and he says, well, it depends what you need it for. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, well, do you need it for a small room, a large room? Do you want, do you have high ceilings, low ceilings? Is your, do you have carpet? Do you have a soundproofing board? Do you have windows? And what side of the room is your windows on? Are they in the back? Are they in front? What kind of shades do you have? I'm like, holy mackerel, you know a lot about TVs. And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm building a house, and I'm building a, a studio down cellar in my house, he said, in Bolton. I'm like, oh, Bolton. I said, yeah, I'm from Bolton. Oh, okay. So he keeps looking at the TVs. And I said, oh, did you see that mushroom? Because they had all these beautiful pictures of Earth, planet Earth on there, and a mushroom came on the, on the picture. And there's this most beautiful mushroom that grows in the Amazon jungle. It comes up out of the ground. It has like a grayish, uh, white uh, velvety structure to it and it opens up like a trumpet on the top and then there's intricate lace that just falls back to the ground it's, it's gorgeous and I saw one once and I went back to my house and we lived in a mud hut, grass roof and I grabbed my camera and I put black and white film in there I headed back out to the jungle I went to take a picture of it, it was dead so I told this guy that and he said, what were you doing in the Amazon jungle? I said, I'm a Christian missionary. He goes, oh, I'm an atheist. I'm like, really? What's an atheist? He said, well, I, I believe in doing good to your neighbors. You'd have them do them to you. I'm like, what's good? What's good? Just a question. And he, he looks at me like, oh, you retarded? <laughs> he said, good is being good. You know, do unto other people, you know, good things. I said, what's good? I said, I have friends in the jungle, Indians, that thinking killing their neighbors is good. He goes, that's not good. 
I said, well, they think it's good. He said, it's not. I said, based on what? He, he said, well, it's not good. I said, based on what? What are you basing the fact that that's not good? I said, who taught you what was good? He said, well, I, I guess my mom did. I said, so who taught your mom what was good? I was trying to get him to base his beliefs on something. What are you basing good on? Because I have friends who say it's good to kill their neighbors. He said it's not good. Based on what? Questions. Fantastic way to share your faith with people. And you don't have to know the answers. You just keep asking questions. Jesus did it all the time. And one of them said, whose name was Cleopas, answering, he said unto him, Art thou the only stranger in all of Jerusalem that has not known the things that have come to pass in these days? Now he's asking Jesus a question. And Jesus responds, What things? And they said, Oh, concerning Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, mighty in deeds and word, and, 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 and before God and all the people. And the chief priests and rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucify him. These guys were hurting. And Jesus just simply asked them questions. They had heard that he was the Messiah. He was coming to deliver them from the tyranny of the Romans. They were hurting. What about you? What about friends around you? Are they hurting? Marriages destroyed, unwanted pregnancies. Drug addiction, sex addiction, alcohol abuse, wars, rumors of wars, unemployment. What's your condition? What about the people around you? The world is despondent right now, and they need answers. And you and I have the answers. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to be a missionary. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to be a Christian witness. You only have to share what you know. Just share what God has done in your life. Share with your neighbors, with those around you, people at work. Start up conversations with those around you. We trusted, he says in verse 21, that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. But now it's the third day and nothing has happened. And then we heard this morning that somebody saw him alive. The sepulchre, the grave was empty. And the Lord says, oh fools, how slow of heart you are to believe. What all the prophets have spoken. Verse 27, and beginning at Moses... And the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures of the things concerning himself. So he took these two men and he brought them way back to the beginning from Moses and the prophet. And he started expounding all that the scriptures said about him all through the word of God. And I'm sure he started with, with Adam and Eve in the garden and he said they had sinned and they had broken their fellowship with the almighty God. And then he probably moved to Cain and Abel and he said, now Cain brought an improper sacrifice to God and Abel brought the proper sacrifice. It was a blood sacrifice. And that was a picture and that promise to Eve that a deliverer would become from her, from the seed of a woman. 
which was prophecy of a virgin birth, the seed of a woman, not a woman and a man, the seed of a woman, and he was going to crush the head of the seed of the serpent. And so he started talking to these two men about that story. And I'm sure he brought them to Canaan, Cain and Abel and about the blood sacrifice. That blood, there, for, there is no remission of sin apart from what? Blood. And then he probably walked through, through Abraham and, 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 and Isaac, and, and he started walking them through the scriptures. And they walking along this dusty road. And they went towards the village, and, and, and the Bible says, and he acted as he was going to go on. He, he's just going to keep going. The two guys turn into their house, and he's just going to keep going. You know, we see that a few times in scripture, where Jesus acts like he's just going to walk on by. They're in the boat, remember that? And they're toiling on this boat, and it's just when the waves are just whacking this boat, and the winds, and, and the mist, and everything else, and he goes walking on by. He's just going to walk right by them. Interesting. Why do you suppose, what do you think God is trying to explain to us in, oh, he was going to walk on by? What in the world does that mean? I love this. I mean, if you don't get excited reading God's word, man, I don't know what you get excited about. You know, just ask him. Just go to him and pray and say, Lord, as I read your word, man, I, I don't fully understand it. Just help me understand what I'm reading. And so they constrained him. And they said, hey, come on inside. It was evening, verse 29. And so as, in verse 30, and it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them. He took bread, blessed it, he broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? That's the way we're supposed to be, opening the scriptures. As God starts revealing these little nuggets of gold, as we start reading the scriptures, a nugget of gold pops out. You just get so excited about it. I do. I think it's, it's really cool stuff, and it's like looking for, for a treasure. Beginning, beginning with Moses and the prophets. There's some of you here tonight that you've let God just walk on by. There's some of you here tonight possibly that you just let Jesus walk on by your life. He's sitting there knocking, and you just don't answer the door. I have things to do, Lord. I'm busy. I don't have time right now. I know I should be praying. I should be witnessing, sharing my faith with those around me. I should be supporting uh, those who are going. I should, I should be involved in a ministry at church. But no, you know what? I'm really tired. I'd rather stay at home and relax. Have we let him walk on by? In Revelations 3.20, a very well-known verse, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. It wasn't until those two men sat down, broke bread, and ate with him, supped with him, it wasn't until then that their eyes were opened. It's not until you take this and you start eating from this do your eyes open? So many times the Lord will walk by you in life because you're not taking this in. You're not ingesting this and eating from it. 
When you do, you'll recognize him. You'll know truth from error. When the world starts spitting all these truths at you, you'll know the difference. And I'm going to end with this jungle story. We had um, a supply flight. We have supply flights once a month come into our jungle location. We would call out by radio, and they would send in whatever we asked. We had supply buyers out in the city. They weren't jungle missionaries, but they were providing for the jungle missionaries. We had pilots. They weren't jungle missionaries, but they were providing for those who were doing the work in the front lines. We had accountants. We had office managers. We had secretaries. Every computer program, as computer fixers, we had every line of business that needs to be taken care of by regular, everyday people. So if you say that what you do can't be used by God, it's not true. It's a lie of the devil. Because no matter what you do, it can be used by God in some way to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. We would call out on radio. This is what we need for supplies. Please send them in. And one, and one day, um, my kids were begging me, please, Dad, please, can we have a dog? Can we have a dog? Okay, so we, we uh, call in, hey, send in a couple puppies. Just go scrounge them up in the city. So the plane lands, and in the cargo part underneath, little tiny plane, Cessna 185s, you know, they come in, they land on the dirt strip, you know, and it, it's, it's a trip. It is so much fun to ride those things. But anyway, in the bottom, there's these little doors in, in the cargo pod, and the little puppies are inside, and they're crying, you know, and, and my kids get them out. And, oh, which one can we have? And it's just pick any one. So they picked one. And they gave one to an Indian family, and we kept one. We named ours Nacho and named the other one Nacha because it was a boy and a girl. It's a play on, on words. And so we kept Nacho, and we gave him only one cup of food a day plus all the scraps. Indians believe that a hungry dog hunts better so they don't feed the dog. Nacha never grew. She was skinny and gaunt and, and her, all her ribs were showing all, and she was mangy and flea-bitten, just disgusting-looking little thing. Little, never grew. Nacho grew really powerful. I mean, a strong mutt. He was powerful. Scared everybody. And he would run down deer, he would run down taper. Unbelievable. He would tree jaguars. And guess, guess whose dog all the Indians wanted to borrow when they went hunting? <laughs> it, because we fed him. We fed him. The only difference between nacho and nacho was what? Food. I have to end the story because my boys have begged me, said, please, Dad, when you tell the story, make sure you finish it. So I have to finish the story. The story is that Nacho had this unbelievable fight with a very big jaguar on the beach, on the playa, which is a side of a river, and he lost. The jaguar was gigantic, and he died in battle. And my kids want to make sure that you guys know that. Their dog died in battle with a jaguar. He was a big dog. The only difference between Nacho and Nacha is one ate and one didn't. If I could put on spiritual glasses and look at this crowd right now, if I could, I can't. 
what would I see? Would I see uh, an Auschwitz? Or would I see all just... Because you've been taken in God's word. We have the answer to the world's problems. We have the ability to see lives changed. And God is looking for a few good men and women to take his word, starting with your neighbor, going to the next room, the next street, to the ends of the earth. And if you're not involved in world evangelism, you're losing out. Thank you for your time. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for your word and our language. And we think of the many tribal locations throughout the world that have no word of God in their language. Lord, please raise up laborers that would go to the ends of the earth to translate the word of God into the language of the, the, the unreached people groups. Oh, Lord, here am I. Use me. Help me to be the witness I'm supposed to be. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.